The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the third message in our sermon series on the book of Haggai. Today we see what can happen when we become complacent in our service to God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Haggai is the beginning of the end of the Old Testament. It's the next to the last book, or actually third to the last book. There's Zechariah, and then there's Malachi. But what we're seeing here in Haggai and then Zechariah is two prophets that come on the scene after the nation of Israel has been chastened under the judgment of God, under the chastening hand of God in the land of Babylon for 70 years. And then they've gone back home They've been allowed by the grace of God, by the providence of God, to go back home. And their first instruction was to build the temple. And they were primarily an obedient people. This is not a bunch of rebels that, that revolted from under the rule of God and decided they're going to go their own way. This is actually a very faithful people. A majority of the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, stayed in Babylon because it was easier. There were more amenities there. It's almost as if they went from the city where there's electricity and running water back out to the country, Jerusalem, where there was outhouses and no, no lights or anything like that, you see. And that's kind of the, the contrast I, that we can draw there. Babylon was a very modern city for its day. So they went back, about 52,000 Jews went back and began to build the temple. But like always happens... When the kingdom of God begins to be built up, opposition arises. The enemy shows its face. The devil's like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He is not too concerned with what's going on at the beer joint tonight. You know, most of what's going on down there, he's perfectly satisfied with. <laughs> but he is concerned with what's happening right here. So, again... The devil, maybe not the devil himself, but some of his minions are here as we stand gathered to worship God. And we need to remember that. Now, look, it doesn't mean we're fixing to get demon-possessed and start, you know, fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. But it does mean that the world and the flesh is going to be possibly stirred up by the devil. Okay? A little thought may creep into your mind and heart. Little bitterness may rise up within you. Little, little, little stress from the world may try to creep in and, and sidetrack you while we're here trying to worship the Lord. See, he's here. So, Well, in that day, the opposition came in the form of those nations that lived around them, and they stopped the work. They got them stopped. They made them stop building the temple. 
And, and that's understandable because they got a decree from the king. But the problem is this. They stopped and they didn't try to start it back and it stayed that way for about 15 years while a whole generation grew up. While a two-year-old became a 17-year-old. While a 10-year-old became a 27-year-old. While a 20-year-old became a 35-year-old. And maybe some who were elderly passed off the scene. And that's the problem Haggai is addressing, the complacency of the children of God. You know how easy it is to become complacent. This is not about active disobedience. Haggai is not preaching about intentional acts of wickedness. What Haggai is preaching to them about is the, the negligent approach to the kingdom of God. You know, the, the classic case, well, now preacher, I'm going to join the church one day. I am. I'm going. You know, they're not. I'm not against the idea. I'm not preacher. I'm coming to church. One. You know, how many people have you ever invited to church? Say, come down here and worship with us. Would you? Oh, so I. You know, I'm going to do it, and they mean it. They want to do it. I'm going to get down here one day, preacher. I'm going to join the church one day. I'm not against the idea. Or you know, let me have a show of hands of all who are in favor of baptism. He'd raise his hand. <laughs> so yeah, I'm for it. I'm just not right now. Procrastination negligence in the kingdom of God. And you remember what he said here? He said, he accuses them in verse 2. He said, this people say the time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. In other words, now is not the time. It's not that they're against it. It's just not now. And he said, let me ask you a question. Is it time for you to go working about your own tasks and doing your own things and building your own houses and neglect the house of God? Oh, what a lesson there is there. And we talked about that last time. I'm not going to browbeat you with that. But just understand that the problem was not that they had nice homes. The problem was not that they had jobs to go to. The problem was not that they had crops to tend. The problem was that they did not make a priority out of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was not at the top of the list. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, beloved, the kingdom of God ought to be the priority in our lives. So he said, it's not a problem that they have jobs. It's not a problem. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make it a priority. So now, tonight, we're going to begin reading in verse 5. Because we've already seen where the Lord has called them to task for their attitude. And then he says in verse 5, I he's calling them to task for their actions. Their attitude is, it, is, is being challenged in verses 2 through 4. Verse 5, their actions. He said, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. And, and that, that literally means, if you look in the center of my Bible at least, maybe yours too, it says, Set your heart on your ways. In your heart, start thinking about what you're doing. Now listen to this. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. You've clothed you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little, and when, I, when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, 
and ye run every man to his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Notice here, when they became complacent, they not only lost a generation, but they began to suffer themselves for their self-focus. They began to suffer. I want to tell you something. If you want to suffer in this life as a child of God, just start focusing more on self than upon your service to Him. Just start doing it and see what happens. Say, I'm going to neglect the house of God. I'm going to leave the house of God because I'm too busy. I got too much to do. I'm going to neglect my studies of the Word of God because I'm too busy. I'm going to neglect my prayer life. I'm not going to pray because I don't have time to pray. Hey, I can make more keeping 100% of what I bring in than giving some percentage to the church, to the work of the ministry, to the Lord. Right? It makes sense, doesn't it? Here's the problem with that. It makes earthly sense, but it causes spiritual problems. Look at verse 6. He said, consider your ways in verse 5. Consider what's happening. Look at what's going on in your life. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. In other words, look where focusing upon yourself has gotten you. Look at the vain expectations, the vainness of your expectations when you don't factor in the Lord. When you don't prioritize the kingdom of God, when you don't focus upon the kingdom of God and put it first in your life, notice what happens. So what happens? Well, you, you sow a big field. And for some unknown reason, it doesn't reap to the level you expect. You eat, but you're not filled. You drink, but you're not full. You, you put on clothes, but you're not warm. Notice where, where you've gotten because of what you're what you're not doing because of your focus, your vain expectations. This is a principle in the Word of God. Now, there are times, no doubt, when the wicked prosper. People who do wickedly prosper. There are times when you, as a child of God who are doing the right thing, suffer. Think about Job for a minute, okay? So there are exceptions to this, but this, generally speaking... This principle of sowing and reaping applies across the board. In other words, you reap what you sow in the sense of whatever you prioritize, that's the payback that you get. So if you prioritize the world, you get worldly payback. You prioritize the spirit, you get spiritual payback. Over in the book of Isaiah, the very first chapter, in verse 19, he says, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. In general, if we are willing and obedient, we're going to enjoy the fruits of our labors. If we refuse the word of God and rebel against him, we're generally going to be devoured by the sword. And that's what's happening to these children of God right here. They're not doing what God told them to do. And they're suffering for it. They're, they're experiencing some of the things that I've experienced in my life when I have been out of the will of God. 
In the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, I really identify with this. We're not going to read the whole thing but for, for lack of time. But, but generally speaking, read chapter 28, and it tells the, the nation of Israel what you can expect if you obey and what you can expect if you don't obey, if you disobey the word of God. Chapter 28, and verse 1, It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Think about the times you've been most in fellowship with God. Think about the times when you felt like the Lord was right there with you. Maybe it was in church. Maybe it was a church meeting. Maybe it was just in your walk of life. Think about the times when you've been most obedient and felt the closest to the Lord. And listen to this. This is the blessings he's promised them. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and store. Now listen, I love this verse 6. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. I love that. Uh, in other words, all the things seem to be just going well for you. Even the things that are going bad for you don't matter because you're so close to the Lord and you're following Him. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. In other words, that wall of, of, uh, of, of an army that comes up against you in a, in a mass that's, that's a frontal assault and they're all together, they'll just break like the tide upon the rocks when they get to you. And the next thing you know, they're fleeing, they're, they're retreating. They're running away seven different ways. They're running around like a chicken with their head cut off, you might say. And he goes on to talk about how the Lord, verse 8, shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all thou settest thine hand to do. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto himself, as he has sworn to thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And he goes on to talk about how that people will see it and will realize you're being blessed. Now, here's the flip side, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee. Now, this is where I have to say I identify even more than with the others because there's been so many times I've been out of the will of God. Listen to this. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. And cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of the land, the increase of thy kind. Now look at verse 19. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. <laughs> the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings. There's a place where he talks about the fact that when you go in to lay down at night, you'll say, would God it were day. When you, when you get up in the morning, you'll say, would God it were night. In other words, you're not satisfied anywhere or anytime. I remember, I remember those feelings. I've been there. You know, I told you the situation with me where I went to the doctor, and I said, doctor, my head hurts, my chest hurts, my stomach hurts, I can't eat, I can't sleep, and 
by the way, I think I'm out of the will of God. And he stopped writing and looked at me and said, I can't help you with that one. <laughs> and you know what? He was right. And you know what I did? I got back in the will of God, and I woke up the next morning weeping for relief because I felt the presence of the Lord again. They have sown much. They brought in little. Look at verse 9 back in Haggai. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. <laughs> Look at all these afflictions, financial afflictions. Your wages are in a bag with holes. You know, you can't hold on to something if it's got a hole in it. I've, I've had that experience where you put something in a bag, and you go walking around, next thing you know, it's all gone because it had a hole in it. That's the way it is with your wages, your financial afflictions. You're, they're experiencing financial afflictions. They're experiencing unfruitfulness in verse 10 the heaven is stayed from dew the earth is stayed from her fruit they're they're experiencing ecological disasters look at verse 11 a drought upon the land and and he talks about pestilence in places i'm going to tell you something the answer here is not working harder stronger efforts will do no good when the lord has set his disfavor upon you because of your actions you can work harder, you can sow more, you can save more. We're told in verse 6, they sowed much, but it came to little. In verse 9, you know, you think about people that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars per year to lock up their stuff. You think about the gold in Fort Knox. It's in a storehouse, right? Think about taking your, your stuff and putting it in a locked storehouse. Well, I don't care how much wheat you store up in a storehouse. When the Lord blows on it, there's no storehouse that can protect it. He said, when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. When the Lord's doing this, there's, not, there's no help upon this earth when the Lord blows upon it. You see, again, they weren't being openly rebellious. but They were being negligent to do the will of God. They were complacent in the kingdom. They were at ease in Zion. You know, that's what we read in one place. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Now, that doesn't mean there's, that, you know, there's rest in Zion. There's rest in the kingdom of God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who have become complacent and begun to take it for granted and to neglect the work of God. So as we bring this to a close, what's, what's, the, what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, it's not in the world. You see, in the world, you've got to climb the ladder of success. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way to gain in the world is to heap up all you can. The way to gain in the kingdom of God is to lose it. The way to receive is to give it away. We've got to change our way of thinking. And then we've got to get to work. Notice what he says in verse 8. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build a house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You know, it's a pretty simple direct commandment, isn't it? Now, if, you're, if these people were like most churches I know, they would say, you know, that's an interesting concept. Let's appoint a committee to study it. Sometimes, beloved, the commandments of God are just very simple. Go up, bring wood, build the house. Now, I, I just want to compare. There's no way to compare this building here to the temple in that day. I'm not trying to do that. But, but I, I want us to bring it to a real-life example here. I'm, I know of churches that have 
spent years planning to build a building like this. And you know what? The building's still not built. <laughs> Some of you that live around here will recall on Highway 82, right about where Eagle's Wings is now, for years there was a big sign that said something like Speedway coming, big racetrack they were building. They even had the track at one point built out. That sign sat there for 25 years, and there's no, there's no speedway there yet. You know, finally the sign fell down, and I think they sold the land. Because they weren't, they weren't getting to, you know, nobody got to work. We could still be planning to build this building, but we didn't. We got to work, you see. And that's what they had to do. And they could have said, well, let's just pray about it, you know. Now, look, we ought to always pray about it. But you, did you know you can use prayer as a crutch? Did you know that? You can say, well, I just, okay, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a prayer session about it. We ought to pray about it. We ought to pray about everything. And I'm not saying you ever leap to conclusions, but prayer can be used as a crutch. We'll pray those trees down. That's the miracle crowd. We'll just pray about it. And if the Lord wants us to have a temple, he'll roll those trees down the mountain to right here to our feet, right? No, the Lord wants you to go up to the mountain and cut the trees and bring them down and get to work. Now, so, okay, as we close. There's work for God's children in the kingdom. What are, what are we talking about? Well, maybe what about some, some simple direct commandments that we have in the Word of God? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. In other words, what you have heard in church, what you've heard Paul preach, you put that, you commit that to memory, you study that, you keep that, you guard it, and you avoid profane and vain babblings and, and oppositions of science falsely so-called. In other words, when you go to college, don't listen to these professors that don't believe in God. Remember what's been committed to your trust, and you know, in order to do that, you've got to spend a little effort, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there's a simple direct commandment. Study the word. It's real simple, isn't it? Here, how about this one? Husbands, love your wives, except when they're too difficult to love, right? No, that's not what it said. Love your wives when it's easy. No. Love your wives when it's hard. Love your wives when it's not easy. Love your wives when they're not lovable. You know why? Because he loved us when we weren't lovable. What about the great granddaddy of all the commandments? John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you. Oh, here we go. That's the point of committee. Let's start studying it. Let's start, let's start praying about whether we need to implement this or not. No, he said, I'm giving you a commandment. It's simple, it's direct, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. You might say, okay, so you say love is, well, I mean, let's, let's, let's start praying about how. You don't have to pray about it. He says how, as I've loved you. Well, let's start studying about why. Let's pray about why we ought to do it. No, he's told us that too. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. That's the great granddaddy of all the commandments. You don't have to be smart to love. You don't have to be intelligent to love your neighbor. You don't have to be strong to love your neighbor. You don't have to be a preacher to love your neighbor. You 
All of us, members of this church, are required to love one another. And then finally this. This is the primary job in the kingdom. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, go when it's convenient. Go where you like the folks. And, you know, Jonah tried to do that. He didn't want to go down there to the Ninevites because he, he didn't like them. God said, go anyway. Go to the ones it's easy to preach to. He didn't tell us preachers, particularly as pastors, well, you pastor the, the church members that are easy and just don't worry about the rest. Sometimes we have to spend more time on the ones that are the hardest and the least lovable, the least uh, uh, grounded in the kingdom, you see. And that's the way we all are. We should all be that way. And he also didn't say go preach some other message. <laughs> he didn't say send out a questionnaire and ask them what they want to hear. Ask them what the social issues of the day are and get focused on that. Go to some seminar to get caught up on the latest fad. No. He said, preach the word. Preach the gospel. He told Timothy, preach the word. Not some other message. Not the popular message. Don't tell a sinner to do something to be saved. The dead man can't do anything to be saved. And the living man doesn't need to be. He's already been. But he does need to be saved from this crooked generation. Preach the gospel unto every creature, baptizing those that believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. we got work to do. That work is in your workplace. That work that you have to do is in your social gatherings. It's when you're working out. Let me tell you, we need to be, wherever we are, willing and ready, instant, prepared, in season, out of season, in order to share the gospel, you are to go out and spread the word. It's not just the preachers. All of us go into all the world. Share the word. Share it by the way we live. If I'm living it, I'll be joyful, and people will want to come and see what it is that makes me so happy. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 